We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pull up. That's ListenerQ.com slash pull up. want to welcome special guest Steven Jackson to the pull up pod. Man, you got one of the best resumes I've seen. For the young listeners out there, I think there's a lot of people out there that think success comes right away. Everybody sees the, the glory. Everybody sees you on TV now, but they don't understand how you got it out the mud. It's definitely good for the game. I think that you got to shoot more threes. You got to get in the paint more. A lot of teams in the Western Conference are adopting some of the Houston Rockets' tendencies. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors shoot mad three-pointers. Steph is shooting threes. Clay shooting threes. KD, everybody in the roster basically is a threat from three-point land. A lot of teams go into games thinking that they can't win or go into games thinking that, you know what, it's a schedule loss or it's a travel day, it's back-to-back, we're not supposed to win. And the teams that go get greedy, that's the difference between the the middle-of-the-road teams and the teams that are able to separate themselves. Welcome to the Kyle Corver episode of Pull Up, number 26. That's right, we're 26 episodes in. Last week for the quarter century, I forgot to mention a player in regard to the episode, so we had to make sure we stayed on top of that. Today is Monday, uh, 8.17 Pacific time as we record right now. A lot has happened today, media day, uh, going through the ringers of taking pictures, signing autographs, speaking about the season, speaking about expectations, coming off of... uh, a letdown series against the New Orleans Pelicans last year getting swept. A lot of motivation coming into this season. Um, I was recently engaged 48 hours ago. I got engaged, proposed to my girl. Exciting times. Very happy about that. Jordan has a new show on ESPN Plus with Trey 35 Media and ESPN Plus. He's also signed a new deal with ESPN, so we'll have to discuss that. We have to talk about the Browns, what we're doing right now, Baker Mayfield being announced as the starter, and what what our future may consist of with uh, Mayfield behind the scenes. And then an, up, an update on everything that's going on around the NBA. We had media day. We had training camp, Brown in a Lakers jersey, the Boston Celtics appearing to be healthy, heading into training camp. Uh, so much to talk about. And we also had Steven Jackson on later on. He called in earlier before his flight to L.A., basically letting us know that he would call in when he landed. So we're really looking forward to getting him on for a great conversation. But without further ado, Jordan, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing in life right now. And congrats again on the new deal alert. Uh, Thank you, my man. First of all, congratulations to you on getting engaged. Uh, That is fantastic. She's fantastic. And uh, I'm very happy for you. So that's number one priority. Number two, you are the new newsbreaker. You have usurped Dame you have taken his throne. Now you're breaking all the news in uh, sports media. So I heard you had good intel on that, good sources. So I, I appreciate the love and uh, all around a good day. Uh, absolutely. I actually sent Dame the story first. He said he's retiring from releasing news right now. Um, so as the season progresses, I will source out information and, <laughs> and we'll see who's interested in releasing it before I take over. Obviously, for people of your caliber, Jordan, I, I take pride in releasing those type of stories and uh, want to make sure that the masses are able to hear the good work that you're doing with ESPN, the good work you're doing with ESPN Plus and, and, and uh, KD Trey 5 Media, and how we are continuing to allow Pull Up Pod to evolve. But as we get into this week, Proposal in New York on the water in front of the Statue of Liberty was dope. A lot of moving parts helped me put this together. Ashley Combs was essential in securing the yacht and securing the flowers, the roses, a lot of great touches. I finessed my way into pulling off one of the one of the drippiest outfits of the season, if I do say so myself. Um, I was excited about that. Yeah, it looked but, very good. I appreciate that, man. I put that, I pulled that together. Shout out to, shout out to my good friends at, at, at Tom Brown for lacing the kid, and then you know I had to put that that Gucci touch on the bottoms. But <laughs> uh, just really excited, really excited about how, how that was executed. I want to, I want to sh- thank uh, the yacht, the yacht owner for allowing me to use the yacht. Although I did pay for it, he was very generous in allowing me to use it, and 
execution was flawless. What was the uh, it was what was the prep time on that? What was the prep time on that for you? Was it like six months, prep, a year? Well, I knew I knew this summer was probably going to be the summer I uh, I hung my jersey up for good. But it was just more about making sure the ring was the way I liked it and making sure the ring was finished. Shout out to Jason for taking care of me on the ring side of things and uh, sourcing out one of the one of the better stones I've seen up to this point in my life. And uh, it was just more so executing the ring, making sure I had that in place, getting it clean, making sure the sizing was right uh, without her figuring out any of this. And then the location, figuring out where it was going to be, who was going to be there and how I wanted to execute it. And then lastly, the cameraman, having that in place, hitting cameras, being mic'd so I'm able to record and, and kind of share that life, that lifetime memory with her later on in life is, is crucial and something I'm glad I was able to bring to life. But took a lot of moving parts. Once I secured the ring... Uh, about a week ago, actually, I seen it. I seen it in person in L.A., and then I had it sent to me in Portland, so I could take it with me to New York. I just had to figure out the location and how I wanted to execute it. But um, a lot of moving parts. Uh, I performed well under pressure. I probably closed everything out in terms of flowers, piano, meals. About forty-eight hours before the actual proposal, so we were we were running wow. we were running close. I never panicked. Here's a little. Uh question for you about the pressure you, you said you're a pressure player i agree so what was more nerve-wracking the proposal or first ever ncaa tournament game against duke the proposal easy basketball okay. is my comfort zone i can do anything in that in that realm in that world i've been doing it forever choosing someone uh, that you want to spend the rest of your life with someone you love dearly, you know, having to plan everything and wanting it to be as perfect as possible is something that you can't describe. That's something that you can't really prepare for. And you go through your whole life understanding that at some point you're going to get married, you're going to have kids, you're going to find that soulmate. And I think, you know, finding a wife, uh, a good mother of your future children, someone who, who uplifts you and brings you brings you joy, brings you happiness, makes you a better person, it's, it's really hard to find. And I think that's there's no price you can put on that. Having a, a solid foundation at home is priceless. And it can either add value to your life or suck away value to your life. And I'm just fortunate enough to have found someone that's made me a better person, better man, better basketball player, better everything. But it's hard. And that's a, a tough tough thing to go through as a man and, and figuring that out. But you know, everybody moves at their own speed, as I like to say. But yeah, moving on, switching topics here a little bit. Yeah, well, I was going to say, if you want to talk about foundation and you know, being able to persevere. How about your boy Baker Mayfield laying the foundation <laughs> against the Jets Thursday Amen. night football? Comes in down 14, engineers a comeback, orchestrates a beautiful couple drives, and they get the win. So, as a Browns fan, lifelong, who has seen the organization struggle through now 30 starting quarterbacks since 1999, what was your take? on watching him, what were the emotions, and then now knowing he's a starter, how do you feel? I was excited watching him. I think that they handled the situation the right way with the amount of quarterbacks we've drafted in the past and the type of success that they haven't had. You know, they've struggled, they've right. failed, you know, miserably at times under pressure due to multiple circumstances, not being prepared, lack of protection, lack of run game, lack of creativity from an offensive play calling standpoint. A lot of reasons why other quarterbacks failed. I think they were smart in being cautious with Baker, understanding his talent, but also understanding Joe Thomas retired. Protection on the backside, his blind side is not necessarily as sharp as it needs to be. Making sure that he understands the playbook, he understands his role within the organization and gets as many reps as possible. But I think his moxie, his ability to deliver the football on time on target, having his eyes down the field, he gets the ball out quick. He has a command of the huddle. His teammates and peers respect him. And, you know, having watched him at, at Oklahoma when they played in the horseshoe and how he planted that flag in the middle of the, of the field, in the middle of the block, oh, and dance around his teammates, you've seen the swagger, you've seen the confidence. The the ability to lead players and get players to follow you is is a rare trait to have as a rookie, as a young quarterback. And he seems to have that, not afraid to make the deep throws. And we're talking about a guy who his first time actually playing with the ones. He was not with the ones in training camp, ATOs. He was taking snaps with the second unit to be able to command that offense and bring them back from, uh, I don't know, 14, 21 points down. He, he goes 17 for 23 in the second half, 201 yards drives the ball down the field, puts points on the board. It was a no-brainer for them to start him, but I like the approach they took. And we've seen this in preseason. You've seen the throws he was making. You're really high on Baker. You said he was going to be a stud, and I was cautiously 
pessimistic because of the the amount of quarterbacks we've drafted in the past. But I, I like what I see and look forward to seeing him whoop up on yeah. those Raiders uh, this weekend. I, I love him, and I think he's going to get better. I mean, he is going to make mistakes, but to your point, the accuracy, whatever the it factor is, I think Mayfield has it. His ability to throw the ball down the field will be great for Antonio Callaway. I think his ability to extend plays and deliver accurate throws on the run will be great for Landry. Obviously, Njoku's there. They have Chubb and High. There, there's a lot of weapons there, and defensively, I think they're going to be good. Um, and if you listen to the way his teammates talk about him, they all say the same thing. Like there, There's something special about that guy. And what I was told throughout the draft process, which I think has become more and more well-known now, is that... Baker was great on the board, uh, learning plays and learning offenses and really you know, showing that he could command uh, an NFL offense. And that's, that's the biggest issue, I think, for young quarterbacks. And for him, to your point, CJ, about not playing with the ones and then coming in uh, in that kind of situation, that showed a lot. And you, know, you talked about the mediocrity at the position in, in years past, the last couple decades. Um, I'm sure there'll be growing pains, but they have their quarterback of the future. I absolutely agree with you, and I think it, we must point out the fact that he executed the Philly special, which is the play where he's able to catch, catch a, yeah. a two-point conversion play without ever running through it in practice. He never ran through it once, and to be able to pick up on that you know, on the fly just kind of shows you how locked in he was during practices, uh, during OTAs when he's just on the sideline watching, whereas a lot of other rookies may not be paying attention. He's you know, constantly waiting on his, his opportunity because that's how he got to this point, being a walk-on, you know, not not being able to take reps with the starters. Yeah. Being a Heisman Trophy winner, going number one pick, and then not being able to play right away. And you know what kills you the most as a rookie? When you're injured or you're not playing, but you're capable and you're watching your peers succeed at your position. That's what kills you on the inside. So I knew it was only a matter of time before, you know, he really showed his his true skill set. And uh, I'm happy to see it. And we talked about a potential matchup at home on November 4th against the Kansas City Chiefs. There was a lot of points put up in college. What were the stats? You said there were some crazy stats. Okay, so Mayfield versus Mahomes uh, in college. It was one of the craziest games you'll ever see. 66-59 OU wins. Nearly 1,300 yards combined from those two. 12 touchdowns passing combined. And uh, I, I just like I look at this matchup uh, in a couple weeks, and that I don't know if it's going to be the best game. But when you have Mahomes versus Mayfield, you know, Big Twelve, it's it's going to be unbelievable. And the way that Mahomes is now setting records with twelve touchdown passes is uh, is remarkable. So I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the Browns, and I'm excited for you because I've I know that you've you've. You've endured a lot as a Browns fan, and, and this is finally the time where it feels like the ship is turning. Yeah, this is a very, very exciting time for us. We're in a position where we could potentially be 3-0 and if it wasn't for some poor special team performance, a couple underthrown balls, and uh, lack of execution down the stretch. But at 1-1-1, one, one, and one, we have a chance to beat the Raiders and then really set ourselves up for a successful season You know, going into the bye week. So yeah. I'm really, really looking forward to this. And by the way, Mahomes has 13 touchdowns, no picks. I misspoke. I gave him 12. He has 13. He actually broke Peyton Manning record. Through the first three weeks, so Jeez. I mean that those Jeez, two, that's ridiculous. those two, Josh Allen, we'll see Josh Rosen, uh, eventually Lamar Jackson. There's a lot of good young quarterbacks in this league. Obviously, we saw Garoppolo go down. That was really unfortunate, but it's a really exciting time to be an NFL fan because of that, because of the young quarterbacks. And I think Mayfield has next. And as we've talked about at length, almost two years since an oh, actual win. So congratulations to you. Man, I'm looking forward to it, man, and I appreciate that. We got Steven Jackson calling in on the line here shortly, so uh, we'll have to get to him in a second. But uh, really looking forward to this conversation. A lot to talk about, training camp around the corner, Brown succeeding, and so much more. But first, I want to tell you about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. There are three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. And each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated, trusted sources. Personally, I enjoy the classic plan. Figgy, balsamic, pork, southwestern beef tacos, just lots of options to go around. And HelloFresh makes cooking reasonable. With the full 82-game season coming up, I enjoy not having to worry about planning dinner, spending money on takeout, 
or gathering ingredients week after week. Get delicious, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. For a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com backslash pull up and enter pull up 60. Again, you get $20 off your first three boxes by visiting HelloFresh.com backslash pull up and entering pull up 60. Want to welcome special guest Steven Jackson calling into the pull up pod right now. Stack, I appreciate you calling in, man. You're one of the realest ones in the league, so I had to make sure I got you in on the podcast at some point, man. So I appreciate you coming on. Man, my pleasure, little bro. Hey, man, I'm a fan as well. So anytime you need me and call, I'm on the way. Nah, I appreciate it, man. So we're going to get right into the NBA. Obviously, it's media day today. The start of training camp for some teams is tomorrow. For us, we start two days tomorrow, 10 a.m., 6 p.m. I think you spent some time in Philly for media day. So just you know, kind of describe the vibes over there in Philly right now. Obviously, Ben Simmons had a, had a pretty good rookie year, uh, winning rookie of the year. Has showed some improvement in his vision. Markel Fultz is there. They got a lot of young talent. Uh, what did you see down there at media day? What are you most looking forward to in the Eastern Conference as the season takes underway? Uh, the, the first thing that I've seen when I walked in there and talking to Ben Simmons, these kids are way more confident than they were last year. I think getting that year under the belt, getting to the playoffs, having such success, both of those guys been, you know, some of the top players in the league. I think they're coming into this year a lot Way more confident than they were last year. I think if a lot of people talk about them having three, uh, two stars and needing an extra star, well, I think Simmons and, and the B feel like if Fultz can come along, that they have their third piece already. And uh, I think that's a great way to look at it. They got some great veterans uh, coming this year. Vincent Chandler's going to be a great veteran, going to be a, 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 a great um, veteran and great leader on their team to help these young kids. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited for them. But I, I saw I saw the confident team. I did, that I didn't see that the last year. I think these kids are real confident this year. No, I was just going to say that I really like Markel Fultz's game. I hope he's able to, you know, kind of find his jump shot outside of 12 to 15 feet, get that confidence back, and start doing the things again that made him the number one pick. Yeah, and, and, and if, you know, that's why I, I'm one of those guys that love player coaches because we've been through everything and experience is the best teacher. I wish he had a guy like Ross Strickland up under and let him know you can be a dominant point guard by, by just shooting 12. You don't have to shoot threes. You can shoot 12-footers, 14-footers. You don't have to shoot threes, but as, as he's so athletic, he can get to the back, and he can do other things. If he realize that he don't have to be a three-point shooter to be successful as a point guard, I think this kid would be great. What was your interpretation of that stat? Because if you think about uh, what's been said, you know, Fultz obviously is just 20 years old, and, you know, he worked out this summer with Drew Hanlon, working on his jump shot. I think it's so unfair and CJ and I have talked about this at length that people have written off this kid at 20. Uh, so do you do you feel like he's starting to turn the corner? Um, how much of this is going to be mental? And and how confident are you in his talent and then his ability now to turn the corner? I'm definitely confident. I mean, they drafted him high for a reason. They've seen a lot of potential with kids to draft him high for a reason. Uh, I've seen him playing college and a kid. His athleticism as a point guard and being able to finish in his core vision is special. He had, he's an NBA player. He's an NBA point guard by far. I think uh, you definitely can make your shot better. Look, I'm 40 years old right now, and every day I'm adding new stuff to my game. I'm still getting better at 40 without being in the NBA. So he definitely can change his game. He definitely can get better. And at 20 years old, he, he don't even know how good he can be. He has a lot of room to grow. Yeah, you talked about improving your game at 40. I watched a lot of the big three. During my spare time, you look like you in great shape. I seen you bang out uh, in Philly's gym the other day, get you a, a light two-hand dunk in, just kind of showing that you still got the athleticism, man. Looking at the comparisons to the way the game is played today, how many three-pointers we're shooting, uh, the up-tempo, the, the positionless basketball, what type of changes have you seen in this game now compared to when you played? I know you guys shot a lot of threes when you were in Golden State, obviously there was more structure with the Spurs based on the system when y'all won the chip. But what kind of similarities and differences you see in the game now that we can get into social media? Well, you know, the similarities, similarities you know, I guess it's the three ball. You know, when I played with Golden State, you know, I know I was one of the first guys coming down shooting a lot of pull-up threes. But to, to have the seven-foot guys like Anthony Davis, Marcus Cousins, being able to play the center spot and put it on the floor and still come down and shoot threes, I think that's, that's something that amazes me. And, you know, I think even with the guards, you know, you guys, outside, guys, you know, guys are able to do a lot of things. And I think that's, that's what changed, what's changing the game. You don't have uh, 
small guards just coming down shooting threes. You got guards that can post up. Now, you like to post up. That's one thing I love about you. You like to post up. Guys like to post up. Guards like to post up. I was one of those guards that love to post up. And I think that, I think the game has changed because the roles have reversed. Games are shooting threes. Guards are posting up, which I love. And that is good for the game. Yeah, I think you hit it around the head. I think it's definitely good for the game. I think that, obviously, as we continue to to study, figure out ways to improve, there's the analytics. People were telling you, you got to shoot more threes. You got to get in the paint more. A lot of teams in the Western Conference are adopting some of the, the Houston Rockets' tendencies. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors shoot shoot mad three-pointers. Steph is shooting threes. Clay shooting threes. KD, everybody in the roster, basically is a threat from three-point land. One particular team in the Western Conference is having some trouble with their star player, Jimmy Butler. There's a situation there where he he, he said he's not going to be showing up to, uh, to training camp. He said he would not be at media day. What do you think is going on there, and what type of fit do you think he is for certain teams? I know a lot of teams are targeting him. We've been in, we've been in discussions with rumors. A lot of teams in the Eastern and Western Conference are trying to pick him up. Where do you think he fits in best at? Uh, well... I honestly feel like he's one of those guys that can fit in every anywhere, man. Like, you know, he he he's a tough grip. He can score. He, he loves to defend. There ain't too many guys like him that can play both ways like he can. I think he can fit in anywhere. I just think in Minnesota, when you have a situation where your two stars are not on the same page and they all not buying in, then it's a problem. Like, there's there's no way I could be on the on the team with any guy when you expect me to give my all and leave. And we're both captains, and you're not, and you're not doing your part. Okay. One thing I like about you and Dane, y'all, comp- y'all compliment each other, and y'all will never go against each other. That's what captain's supposed to be. That's what your best man's supposed to be, because that's the only way you lead. If you lead by example, you buy in. I was one of those guys. Tim Duncan called me ultimate teammate because things like that don't happen when you play for each other. When you got your own personal games, when you, when you worry about doing stuff for yourself and getting your own stats and getting your own money. That's when things like that happen. But when you buy in, when you plan for each other, when you're willing to uh, go out here and, and die and fight to win a game for your brother, for your teammates, things like that don't happen. So it's easy to see that they wasn't playing for each other and they're not on the same page. Stack, when you look at the West, obviously it's a juggernaut and LeBron going West changes the, the whole tectonic plates of the league. But looking at the Warriors specifically, is there a way, a specific way, to beat them, is it you got to play right back at them, play the speed game? Do you try to slow them down and avoid the track meet, uh, or is it nearly impossible? Well, no, anything's possible. First thing you got to do, you got to wake up in the morning and put your shoes on, understand they time they shoes just like you. Okay, you got to get that attitude first. You start up there, gym playing the game just like they plan. You know what I'm saying? So you got to have the confidence you can go in there and win. A lot of the, a lot of guys. I've even seen it. You know, guys who just scared of me because I was going to fight them, but I know guys going into the go to State Arena beating before they even play the game because they're looking at the roster. I don't, I don't, I, I never, I don't like guys like that. I never, I never want to play with a guy like that. You got to wake up that morning knowing you can go in there and win that game. And when you have that attitude, you will, you will have a chance to beat them. But at the end of the day, they have to go out there and win games. You can't just say they're going to win the championship. You can't just lay down to a team like go and say, yeah, they're great. One of the best rosters we'll ever see, but at the same time they have to go out there and win games. You go out there and compete, anything can anything can happen. I was on the AC team that that beat the one seed, best team in the league, had the MVP and Dr. Whiskey. We had no, we, we we had no doubt in our mind that we could beat them, even though you know they were the best team. But we went out there and did it because we had the confidence. Confidence, confidence will take you a long way, man. Yeah, I think I think that's important. What you said, believing, understanding that everybody's out there for a reason. I think a lot of teams go into games thinking that they can't win or go into games thinking that, you know what, it's a schedule loss or it's a travel day, it's back-to-back, we're not supposed to win. And the teams that go get greedy, i.e. like the Boston Celtics, they go get greedy. No matter what the circumstances are, whether guys is out, they got a lot of pit bulls over there who – who think who think like-minded. Everybody's trying to eat. Everybody's trying to win, figure out a way to get this done. But I think that's the difference between the middle-of-the-road teams and the teams that are able to separate themselves. Um, you talked a little bit about your career briefly. I was doing some research, man. You got one of the best resumes I've seen. Um, second, you might, be, you might be one of the best. You definitely top five, top ten best second-round picks ever. No question. <laughs> you're, 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 hey, looking at your resume, man, OJ, you, you, you've 
what you've done is impressive, man. I didn't I didn't know you was drafted in '97 and didn't play till 2000. I didn't know there was a three year delay with you playing in Europe and stuff like that. But for the, for the young listeners out there, I think there's a lot of people out there that think success comes right away. A lot of people, not only in the sports world, but uh, entrepreneurs, people in the business world, they think it's supposed to come right away. Talk to us about your transition, you know, having to go from Venezuela to Dominican Republic, playing for the Sydney Kings, playing in the CBA. Like everybody sees the the glory. Everybody sees you on TV now, but they don't understand how you got it out the mud coming from from a poor author. You know what I'm saying? Like my brother plays in Europe. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for people that go across that water to go get it. I've, I've been to Europe uh, five summers in a row to watch my brother play. So talk about how Rome's not built in one day and what type of mindset you have to have to to go from CBA to 14-year veteran, career 15, four, three guy who was able to win a championship. And people don't even know that you was McDonald's All-America and outscore Kobe in, in the same game. Yeah, you know, and one thing about one thing about it, man, is I always, like I tell people all the time, I, I always believed in myself. So when I got drafted in 97, you know, I felt like, Coming in 96 after McDonald's game, like you just spoke of, I was the leading scorer in that game, so I felt like the shit. If Kobe can get drafted, I know I can get drafted. I showed everybody I could play with anybody, and it didn't happen, you know. And I was down for a while because I felt like I deserved it. But, you know, I think the toughest part with me was when after I got drafted and I got cut, they sent me to Venezuela. And my first day there, see, my first day there, um, I'm on my way to practice. They picked me up from a, on, the, on, the, on the plane, on this drive out of that So I'm kind of communicating with him. And we come to the bridge, and I'm like five cars from passing under the bridge, and now everybody's stopping. I just, it's my first day in Venezuela. I don't speak English. I'm by myself. I don't know what's going on. And as we're passing up the bridge, everybody's slowing down, so we got to kind of go around the crowd. My first day there, 18 years old, and my first time in another country, I was never been out of Texas in my life. I see a kid that just jumped off a bridge, 14 years old. Splat right wow. in front of our car. My mm. first day in Venezuela, bro. I got on my phone. I got to the first phone I could. I'm like, Mama, uh, you know, I'm, I didn't see people just shot and beat up all the time. I ain't never seen nothing like this, you know. So it, it kind of blew my mind. But my mama, a real one, you know what I'm saying? She's like, well, shit, you should I don't care what you saw. You didn't go out to go that far to turn around, you know. So um, I kind of stepped it up, and I ended up, you know, playing overseas. And what took me so long to get to the NBA season, it was like, you know, I broke both of my feet. You know, I, I broke both of my feet. Actually, I broke my, my I broke my foot the second time trying out for the Bulls, and I, I almost made the team. I think that was like my, 20, my 21st team I tried out for. I tried out for 21 teams. I was about to make the, the, the my 21st try, I was about to make the Bulls, and I broke my foot the day before cut. Call home. Oh, man. Call home to my mom. You know what? Maybe it's not for me. You know, I'm called to cry and all that. Maybe it's not for me. Or maybe I should do something else. And she's like, what, you going to quit? You just been shot at, you fought at, you all kinds of stuff. You ain't never quit before. What, you going to quit now? And I'm like, you right. I, I didn't come this far to quit. You know what I'm saying? I was down. I'm, I'm human, so I was down. You know, I was down because I worked so hard to, to, to get through the first foot injury. But God don't make mistakes, man. I kept fighting. And, uh... You know, I, I kept playing. I get to, I get to summer league. Doug Lewinsky first year. Um, that's excuse me. I go to summer league with the, with Vancouver Grizzlies, and uh, end up being one of the top top, top players in um, in the summer league, and still don't get signed by them. God, I was uh, playing. I get to the CBA. I get cut from the CBA. Like I said, I get cut for about twenty one NBA teams, and I I come home and I'm working out. And I get a call from uh, the New Jersey Nets to come to training camp. And uh, I go out there and give it my all and make the team. And I ain't looked back since. Oh, that's Man, so that's a That's a crazy that's story. That's incredible. That's, yeah. I think a lot, of really? people, a lot of people don't know that you broke your foot twice. I didn't. I broke my fracture, my fifth metatarsal twice, same foot, man, within a year span. And I, was, I, was born, I was born with uh, stress. This is crazy. When I, when, I, when I was born with stress fractures and didn't know. So when the Phoenix Suns drafted me and they told me they was going to cut me, I still had to take a physical. But a doctor told me, you got hairline fractures in both of your feet. They're going to break eventually, not knowing that they would break right after each other. Mm. Oh, man. Correct me if I'm wrong, Stack, but you get to the Nets, and they got they got Steph on that team, Steph Marbury, Kenyon Martin's a rookie, Kevin Ollie, Kendall Gill. You got some dudes on that team. What, what was that like adjusting to NBA life after – being 
playing in Australia, playing in the CBA, playing in South America? What what was that like? I was excited. You know, I was, I, I didn't. You know, once I got there, I put on that uniform and saw my name on the jersey. What nothing? What nothing stopped me? What nothing stopped from making the team? My mind was made up. I didn't care who was there. The best thing about it. The best thing about it was Steph Marbury took took me under his wing. Uh, quick story. I get there. I'm from Texas. If y'all know anything about Texas, we starch our clothes down like crazy in Texas. So I had never, I had never, I had never been to New York. This is my first time in New York. So I get to New York. You got to think I had to go to college, so I didn't do too much traveling. So when I get to New Jersey, I show up to practice, and I got all, I got my pants, my pants can stand up by themselves. They so got so much starch in them, see. And everybody just <laughs> laughing at me, dying, laughing at me. So I'm just, I walk in there, I'm like, man, I'm fresh. Y'all just don't know, man. It's just, it's so while everybody was laughing at me, they laughed the whole practice. I came back in after practice. They got my pants standing up by themselves in the middle of the locker room. <laughs> 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 they got my pants. They got so much starts in the stuff. They, they, they ragged on me so hard, and, I, and I'm going to ride the practice. Steph took me to his house, gave me the keys to a brand-new Escalade, told me I could have it, and took me shopping the same day and filled my truck up with Tim's, all kinds of stuff, like fifteen thousand dollars worth of clothes. Wow, that's a story. That's it. That that made me feel a part. That made that took a lot of pressure off on me, worrying about money and how I'm gonna do this, how I'm gonna look the part. That took so much pressure off on me. I went there and served everybody. I had a chip on my shoulder. I went there and balled out, and I never would have thought, you know, I'd be starting my first NBA game. So I went from there to being the last man on the roster. End up starting my first NBA game, so that's show you how God real. That's that's an incredible story, man. And the perseverance to to try out for twenty one teams, almost make the team, break your foot to to keep going and not quit, man. Those are the type of stories that I love hearing because it's the underdog story. It's the it's not the the guy who was supposed to be the number one pick comes out as the number one pick. It's the guy who McDonald's All American. Something happens, setback, setback, doesn't quit, and, and still perseveres to a 14-year career. And if you, and it's crazy because you could have had a 17, 18-year career if 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 the if the scouts actually knew what they was doing back in '97. <laughs> you know how that go, man. It's a numbers game, but you know, I I think what was the best for me was a lot of stuff did happen. What made me the player I am, but I didn't come in the game trying to be LeBron or Kobe. See, I can see that I came in the game to be Stephen Jackson. I didn't come in the game trying to be the best player because I knew that wasn't my lane. You know, I I I, I kind of knew I wasn't going to be accepted as that. So I wanted to come in to be the best Steven Jackson I can be. I know I I know I can play, but I know competing and playing defense will help me make a name for myself. So a lot of guys they come in the game just try to be them and be a basketball player, be the best basketball player, be the best person they can be as themselves, and stop trying to be all these other players. I think that's when guys blossom. That's why you blossom. That's why Dane blossom because y'all comfortable in your own skin. I think if more kids come into the game like that, they have better for real. Yeah, I think the the other issue with this generation now is social media. Social media sways everything. You got mixtape artists, you got trainers that's shooting blocks and Legos, and I think Dame did a great <laughs> job of illustrating. <laughs> he did a great job of illustrating some of these crazy <laughs> workouts to where, and you, my brother, been playing overseas professionally for going on going on year eight, been making a million for five consecutive years, and has never hired a trainer on the court. My dad and his girl rebound for him. We work out together. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's ways to get things done without all the extra antics. And I think in the in the world we live in today, social media is just so influential on what people see. Like I post a photo on the gram, I can look as happy as ever, but really be hurting on on deep down on the inside. So I just want to discuss the the importance of social media now, how how it can be a positive, how it can be a negative, and so, and how it's obviously helped the game. It's helped revolutionize our game because now you can watch our game in other countries, you can stream it live on Twitter, you can have instant conversations with fans, whereas you weren't you weren't able to do those things in the past. Yep, and and and, and the player that's not promoted because they don't have the big Nike deals or shoe deals, they still can promote themselves through their own social media. So that's the good thing about it. That's that's the best part about it. But with social media, I think, like, okay, on social media, everybody living their best life. Okay? and But 90% of the people that say they live their best life are living the best life. Because I'm, one, I'm, I'm a firm believer, if you so happy, nobody should be able to take any of your joy. I don't care what they say, what they do. If you that happy, then nobody can steal your joy. So that's... Uh, that's a, a, a great way to show you how social media is not always cracked up to be. 
because everybody living this, everybody doing that. But like you said, it's a it's a lot of people. See, that's why I'm glad I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Because if I'm pissed off, if I'm not doing well, you're going to see it. I'm not going to jump on Instagram and say, man, I just bought a Bentley and didn't get off Instagram and cry because I'm upset about stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's what social media. But the, the good thing about it, what I, what, I, what I don't mind, I don't mind people that will never have a voice to make them feel like something, you know, by having a social media. But I do get offended about the people that don't have a voice and they feel like that they need to demean people to make themselves feel better. That's the only problem with social media. If more people were more were positive, if people didn't feel like they have to demean somebody to make themselves look, look better, then we wouldn't have no problem with social media. But everybody feel like the only way they can get a voice is by demeaning somebody. And that's the biggest problem. But help being able to promote yourself, I wish I had that when I was in the NBA because, you know, I felt like I should have made the All-Star game a couple of times. I didn't make it for other reasons. But it would have helped me promote myself and not just talk about my numbers. You know, I could actually promote myself. But it's a gift and a curse. Yeah, I think one of the best things about social media is being able to interact and control your message. You know, people being able to see what you're eating for breakfast, who you're kicking it with on the weekends, where you're shopping at, how how we live normal lives, but we're perceived as superheroes. We're perceived as action figures who run, jump, shoot better than everybody else. But in reality, we got the same problems, probably more problems than a lot of people. We go through we go through the same anxiety, the same depression. We go through the same uh, doubts, fears, all that stuff. But I think I think social media allows us to do, to see those things. I want to talk about your social media. I, I've been following you for a little while. I think you do a great job with your platform, sharing your feelings, discussing things that are on your mind. And obviously the situation with the Minnesota Timberwolves came up. And I think how you handled it sh- showed your maturity. Obviously you spoke what you thought and you, and you always do that. You, you say what you think, you speak from the heart. And then being able to I think your post up talk saying that you you spoke to Stackhouse, one of your OGs. Let's let's elaborate on this because we only got to see the posts. We don't know what was said, what happened behind the scenes, and how everything was moved over. But just discuss, you know, the transition of I see you on TV, and then I see this post, and I'm like, okay, they handled the situation. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, what happened was, you know, it it, it kind of it got out of hand. Uh, you know, once once the word came out, of, I keep the same energy and all that, and me like. You know, just and I don't brag on stuff like this, but I'm probably the only NBA player that been in multiple shootouts. So when people talk to me about uh, keeping that same energy, that don't bother me. You know, so I don't pay that no attention. So when people were trying to make it seem like it was a big deal, you know what I'm saying? I that's why I got on Instagram and told them, uh, say, man, I, I, you know, I like you. I'm a fan of you. I think you you think you're a great player. You have a lot of upside. I just feel like we need to care about the game more. And then that's where that that's my whole attention was. So, well, I want him to reach his potential and play as hard as he can because everybody feel like he could be one of the best players in the league. And that was my attention. But, and, you know, it, it, it got misinterpreted wrong from his side and people want to be tough guys and all that. I'm so, I'm so cool. I'm far, I'm far from a tough guy. I hate when people say Jack's a tough guy, he's a thug. I'm so far from that. I'm a child of thug. I'm just a man that don't take no shit at the end of the day. That's all it is. But um, when Stackhouse called me, you know, that house knows me. I mean, that's my big home. A lot of people know me. And if it gets to the point where I got beef with somebody, I ain't the type to get on social media. I'm going to get on the plane and come pull up on you, and we're going to figure it out. You know, that's how I always been. So when Stackhouse called me and, and said he wanted to reach out to me because he didn't want nobody to get hurt or he didn't want him to, to uh, feel like when he see me, it's going to be a problem, I cut Stackhouse off right there and said, Stackhouse, oh, gee. It's never, it wasn't never to that point with me where I want to see him and hurt him. I'm not, it was words. It, I, you, they know me. I ain't, if I got a problem, I'm not going to say nothing. So I wanted Stackhouse to understand that him calling me and trying to dead it, it was dead before he even called me because it was never to the point where I was mad at him, where I wanted to figure physically put my hands on, on Wiggins. It was never to that point with me, not even close. So I'm glad Stackhouse did call because, it helped me squash. It helped me squash it because that's his people. That's his car. He cool with uh, Wiggins' father out in Carolina. So like, so by by Stackhouse calling me, I think it was a, it was it was a blessing in disguise because I really wanted to do it because it wasn't to the it wasn't to the point where we're supposed to go to blows. But when you got big homies like like one thing about me, I listen to my big homies. You know, I, I listen to my OGs, the players that came for me, that paved the way for me. When they talk, I listen. I just I was just speaking about Grant Hill, Steve Smith, Charles Oakley. I listen when they talk. So. When Stackhouse called me, it was a no-brainer for me. Whatever he decided I wanted, whatever direction he wanted to go, 
I was going to go with it, you know, because I respect him. But the fact that he was going that direction of getting it, it was, it was, it was, even, it was more exciting for me because that, that, it wasn't that serious to go to blows. Mm. And then you basically, it, you just kind of waited for it to, to settle down, Stack, or did you, did you reach out directly to, to Wiggins the kid, or you just let Stack be Peacemaker? Well, no, uh, was, was, uh, actually, Stack had uh, sent me Wiggins' number. You know what I mean? He told me Wiggins yeah. was going to call me. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I still have Wiggins' number. I never reached out to him. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I, I let Stack handle it. But, you know, uh, the type of person I am, if I ever see Wiggins in person, I'm going to go up to him and look him dead in his eyes and let him know what I meant about it. You know what I mean? And yeah. what I got to say. You know what I'm saying? And let him know it was never to the point where, 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 I, where I wanted to go to blows. But at the same time, I got to say this too, CJ. When people think, just think twice about coming to me with the nonsense. Because I don't brag on it, but I'm highly experienced with it. I'm highly experienced with it. So just, just think twice about coming to me with the nonsense because I'm the coolest dude on earth. I'm not a thug. I'm not a tough guy. I just, I just, I just walk to the beat of my own drum. But I'm glad Stackhouse called because it, 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 it didn't need to go further. A lot of words that got twisted mm. out there. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys handled the situation. I was watching from afar, and uh, knowing both of you guys from afar and just kind of seeing how you guys interact with the public and understanding that you are you are a guy who does things the right way. You, you try to spread positive energy. I see a lot of your posts. I see how you carry yourself on TV. And I understand that, you know, as, as black men in society, a lot of times they paint a certain picture of us and, and that's how we're perceived for life. So I like to see all of us succeeding, man. I think I think that's what that's the biggest thing for me, seeing everybody succeed. And uh, I think a lot of times we see it on TV. We compare ourselves to one another far too much. You don't see Tom Brady and Matt Ryan getting compared very often, or, or Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Our, our race, I don't mean to cut y'all, bro, but our race is the only race that does that. Right, and it's and instead of picking each other up, we put each other down. Exactly, exactly. Sad to hear that. It's the truth. It's 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 how we've always been. Yeah, I speak the truth, man, and I stand on everything I say, and, and that's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? And that's just what it is. You know, I, it's, it's a famous line from Killer Carleon saying a song. And black people don't like it, but it's the truth, and I always say it. Mm. Uh, uh, mm. A black, a white person kill a black person, everybody marches. Everybody want to do this, but a black kill a black, don't nobody say nothing. It's just, it's just normal. Like mm. why, what, 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 instead of, instead of hating black on black crime, we should hate crime. Period. Yeah. Don't just hate black on white crime. We should hate crime. Period. It's just, you know, it's like, and that, that's one thing that bothered me. You know, it's, it's a big problem when, so when a white person does it to a black, but we do it to ourselves just as much, and it's not a problem. CJ, you would agree, right? Yeah, I agree. I think, I think as a society, you know, one of the things I've noticed is, is that it's, it's repetitive. Even barbershop, go to the barbershop, hear the conversations. We're talking about Brown, we're talking about Jordan, we compare it. You know what I mean? When I went to when I went to Lehigh University, it opened me up to a lot of different stuff. You know, being able to be exposed to to different culture and just how people carry themselves and, and how a lot of times we compare each other, we we put each other down, we hate and think about when you grow up in a neighborhood and you got Jays on. If you don't have Jays on, you're looking like, dang, why don't I have the newest Jays? A lot of times kids is fighting over shoes, stealing shoes from each other. Think about the the stealing bike culture. You leave your bike outside, your bike is getting stolen. So the next day, what do you do? You're going to, you're going to get you a bike. Right. It's just a reoccurring cycle. That <laughs> you, you know what it's like, Stack. It's the truth. Yeah. Somebody steal your bike, you go in the house, tell mom, mom, somebody stole my bike. Mom's looking at you like, you shouldn't have left it out there. You knew what time it was when you left it out there. Exactly. And I ain't buying you another one. <laughs> and I ain't buying you another one, so figure it out. So yeah, it's, no it's a sick cycle. CJ, when you, or Stack, when you guys talk to, to young kids, um, especially of color, and you try to reiterate this message, are they receptive? Do they understand? With me, with me they, definitely, they definitely take it because I always put myself in them shoes. You know what I'm saying? I, I, lost, I lost my brother. At 16, I was 16, and my brother was 25, and three guys jumped on him and beat him to death, pipes, bottles, and stuff, over a girl that they didn't even date. And I was like four or five blocks away. So, so situations like that, when I tell these situations about how my brother was beat up and they put, brought him to the hospital, he had 18 staples in his head, 
Nobody can get any type of response or no type of action from him. I didn't go to the hospital the first two days because I couldn't see my brother like that. I decided to go to the hospital the third day, kiss my brother on the forehead, a tear drops out his eye. He died 15 minutes later. Jeez. So when I when, when I hear these kids, these stories, or even this one, CJ, my homeboy got the feds in his house, the task force in his house, ramming the, the back of his house up looking for the drugs. I know where the drugs at. My homeboy on the corner, rest in peace, my homeboy is dead now. You know what I'm saying? But he called me. I, I drive over to the where, where, where it's going on, and he tell me exactly where it is. I go in the house and take it out the house while they in there. See, when I when I tell them these type of stories, like they mm-hmm. it, 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 it draw them in. You know, experience is the best teacher. So when I put myself in their shoes, and then they, then I walk them to where I'm at now and what it took, it helps them believe that okay, well he didn't have it easy, so maybe I can make it. He didn't have a father, maybe I can make it. You know, like those situations. So by by putting ourselves in their shoes, it makes them, it, it gives them hope because you only know what you see. You know, you only, I never right. knew how to make it to the NBA because I never seen it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know what they was dressing like in New York. I told y'all how I dressed because I'd never been out of Texas, so I didn't know no other clothes or style. The kids in, in, these, in these neighborhoods only know what they see. But when they get a professional athlete to come down there and talk to them, spend some time with them, show them what could be or where they come from, I think that does more justice than anything giving them money or putting something in their hands. Yeah, I think you. I think you hit it right on the head. Like those stories come to life because it, it paints the picture and shows them that Stack didn't live this life. He didn't do all the things that we're doing. He didn't did some stuff that we ain't never seen before, and he's able to make it up out of it, become a professional athlete, make a name for himself, and now become a professional who who is working for Fox, who's on the jump, who's on TV, who's doing things the right way and becoming a motivational speaker and, and leading a good life. And I think that for me, one of the reasons why I work, work so closely with the Boys and Girls Club is because. I know what it's like growing up in a neighborhood where you got cousins that's blood, you got cousins that's crips. You know what I'm saying? You're going through that <laughs> stuff as a kid. You 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 know, you're seeing that and I get the pass because I hoop. So they give me a pass, like little little cuz hoop, he good. Like leave him alone. You know what I'm saying? Everybody so else don't being get able to pass. Right. Some people don't get that pass for one. And for two, for for two, like you said before, you grew up in a neighborhood to where you only you only know what jobs available that you see. So growing up, we know there's a doctor, there's a dentist, there's a barber, there's a trash man, there's a dope boy, and that's it. And the dope boy's got all the nicest shoes, all the nicest stuff. So you're thinking that's the life that's that's the best route for you. So being able to work that's with the boys and girls clubs, right? That's who you look you look up to the barbers and the people that's that's out here getting it. And I think it's important that we explain to the kids that there's different avenues, there's different ways to, to be successful. And it don't have to be in sports. It don't have to be on the block. And it's, it's other ways to, to be involved in pharmaceutical sales without, without pushing weight on, this, on the corner. So I think that, you know, storytelling is great. Being able to tell kids that, look, I wasn't the best player in my hood. I wasn't even close. Like, <laughs> you know how many, like, you know how many Michael Jordans is out there that just didn't make it? Like, how many CJ McCollum's that's out there that just didn't make it? Like, there's a lot of dudes who was nicer than me. Like, not Man, even close, you can, so. You can, you can go to jail and have an NBA trial. You can go to jail right now and take 100 people out of prison and bring them to the NBA combine. I bet you two or three of them can make the NBA team. Oh, God, though. Like, a hundred percent. So it's it's crazy. And when you tell those stories, like unless you grew up in the hood, close to the hood, you don't believe it. But like us being there and hooping at the playgrounds and being like, yo, he's way nicer than me. But I got a full ride scholarship. You know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy how life works. But just being able to share those stories, man, it, it's it can change. And all it, all it takes is to change one kid's life. One for me, Eric Snow came. Eric Snow had a camp. He brought AI. So me being able to see East Snow come from my hood and make it, Keith McLeod, wow. all those people, you know, six three guards. Then he brings AI to camp, and I see AI look AI right in his eyes. I'm like, AI is a good six foot and a half. Like if I can get the six foot, I can get to the league. So like that, like like you able to realize a dream just off seeing somebody like up close. Like it, it humanized AI to me. Like AI was a mythical creature until I got to see him in person. I'm like, okay, he's six foot, he's skinny, you know what I'm saying? Like, but he a dog. And I'm like, if I, I'm a dog, so I, if I can get to six foot, like I can get to the league. So I think it's, I think it's important, man. Like we continue to share these stories with kids and just let them know that there's a different way, man. We don't have to, we don't all have to take this route in hoop. We don't have to take this route on the block. And it's just different stuff we can accomplish. Yeah, and I, I even break it down. I don't want to keep you out too long, but I even break it down to him when I go talk to him. You know, even if, like, okay, me, 
I didn't have no basketball player. So it was drug dealers that I looked up to. But I tell, I tell these kids this. The drug dealer that I looked up to, I didn't look up to him, the fact that he was selling drugs. I looked up to how he was taking care of his family. Okay, so bam, he's taking care of his family. So what can I do to take care of my family without selling drugs? You see what I'm saying? So right. it, it, it's something good. It's something good in everything. You don't you. So when I look at when you look at them, you know, Georgia, I, that's 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 what I got out of it. All them upper bodies, all them took care of their families, all them live nice. That's what I thought. I really didn't think about the selling drugs part because the first time I tried, that my friends took it from me and told it wasn't for me when I was a teenager, a young a young kid. So I never really sold drugs. I was always around it, but. If, when you explain it to these kids and break it down to them like that, then they'll understand that. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of drug dealers weren't selling drugs just to be a thug or to sell drugs. They were trying to get a better life. You know? And, and, and once, people, once you understand that and explain that to people, then they can come into your world and not judge. And that's what we're trying to do, not judge. Right. No, that's, those are facts, man. And that's a deep conversation, man. I, I appreciate anything else. Anything else we need to discuss, man? I appreciate you coming on, spending some time. I know you've been traveling and stuff, man. You welcome. You welcome on the pull up pod anytime, man. And I hope I hope you do get that show with Matt Barnes. I will be tuning in faithfully, bro. I, I will support. I, I will put some bread in just to to help y'all get a show, bro. Because that that's that's must see TV and what what people need, man. People need these these true, authentic stories. It's that empathy, life. That empathy, right. That's why I really appreciate, well, both you guys' candor, but having that empathy and finding finding good and bad or finding solace in a tough situation, Stack, I really appreciate it, man. And man, that, that's what life's about. You already know that. Like, everybody go through their own ups and downs, man. And, uh, you know, you give the same energy that you, you know what I'm saying, you give out, the energy you give out, you get it back. And I tell you for that all the time. You know, if you, even if you don't have a relationship, I'm going to finish with this. Even if you don't have a relationship with God, with God or believe in God, if you treat people right and live the right way and have good vibes around, you can get that back and you'll still get blessed. It's, it's, it's about the, 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 the vibe you carry and what you give off, man. And uh, I always give off a genuine vibe, a real vibe. If I'm with you, I'm with you. Lord to me and a lot to me. And, uh, you know, I think that's why I'm able to still have jobs. Like like on TV and stuff, having Rachel Nichols hire me and stuff like that because I've always been, you know, what I'm saying honest with everybody and I respect everybody. And if I'm with you, I'm with you. Most people like situations like that because you don't have to worry about getting stabbed in the back. Yeah, those are facts. That's crucial. What you give out is what you get in return, man, for sure. But uh, I I appreciate you coming on, man. You got my number. Lock my number in, man. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in touch, man. I, I appreciate you, OG. I appreciate the. The candor, the the realness, and how you carry yourself on a day to day basis, man. I got a lot of respect for you. Yeah, me too, man. Same respect here to you guys, man. See, like I said, I'm a fan, bro. I, I, pre- I, I appreciate the opportunity to get on your show. Anytime you need me or anything, man, anything you ever want to get off your chest, TV wise or anything you need from me, I'm always here to do that, man. It's the brotherhood, and I'm, we both a part of that. I appreciate you, man. You travel safely too, man. I'll see you. I'll see you soon. All right, man. Y'all have a good night. Once again, we want to thank Stephen Jackson for coming. And calling in on the pull-up potty, a long travel day, flying to L.A., man. One of the realest ones out there, man. So I appreciate appreciate his candor, appreciate him keeping it 100 with us and just sharing some insight on his life, the league, and where we're at right now as a society. But always good to have him on, man. Great week. Training camp is here. The NBA is here, man. I'm excited. New job alert for Jordan. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, Fiance. Fiance for CJ. There you go. (laughs) Fiance. Hey, man, life is good, man. But appreciate you guys listening, as always, and ladies. Before we go, week four of NFL Fantasy is coming up. And if you haven't signed up for FanDuel yet to play against Jordan and myself, it's time to do it. You can find the contest at fanduel.com backslash pull up. Cash prizes for winners. And if I win, I give everything to charity. Also, catch us anywhere you get your pods and also via radio.com. You can get their app or head to app.radio.com backslash CJ for your weekly dose of pull-up. And don't forget to pull up. Pull up.